Hello and welcome to Castable. This is the podcast which brings on brilliant guests to pitch their dream music festival. I'm the host, Matt Hoss, and I'm here to help hammer in the tent pegs and help out with the guidelines and hope no one trips up. Today's guest is one of the UK comedy circuit's most innovative performers. She is simply an amazing stand-up comedian. It's Elf Lyons. Hello. Hello. How are you? <laughs> I never know how to say hello at the beginning of the first <laughs> recording. Yeah. I always say to myself, sound normal, and then... I get introduced and I go, hello. Yeah. I think it's just so predatory. Yeah, we kind of hit all the resonance and then we go, hi, hello. Yeah, like, uh, yeah. It, we, we, I like it. It's good. You nailed it. Smashed you know when it. you're trying to sound natural and calm, like, you know, when you go on a first date and you're like, oh, I'll just be really relaxed. And you end up coming across as if you've just taken tons of Ritalin. Yeah. <laughs> I think that you've summed up all my dating experiences in one fell swoop there. That's it. And like, yeah, because like you're just sweating because you're trying to like get it perfect. You're overthinking it. So like, yeah. hello, please like me. <laughs> I always do that and then end up accidentally knocking myself unconscious. I oh think I, I could list all of the dates I've had on all my body parts if they were... I mean, I haven't thought this sentence through, <laughs> which gives a great example of, of what it's like on yeah. a day for me. But basically what I'm trying to say is for every body part and bone I've got in my body, I, I've, I've knocked myself unconscious or ended up in hospital after a first date. Oh my God, that's, uh, uh, that's very interesting. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and We're literally reenacting all of my experiences as a teenager <laughs> trying to interact with people. Well, that that sounds like a podcast in itself. We can definitely mm-hmm. delve into that uh, on our new podcast, uh, um, the Infirmary Ward uh, or the Hospital, something like that. <laughs> well, let's get straight into it because I yes. think we're going to have a lot to talk about today. Uh, I think you're a big music lover like myself, and I think we're going to have a lot of big chats here. So, um, so if someone were to ask you what kind of music are you into, how do you usually respond to that question? I suppose my immediate, because there's nothing more annoying when someone says, I'm a little bit yeah. of everything. And mm-hmm. even though it might be true, it, it just isn't, mm-hmm. you need, you need the meat to like to suck your, you need to, the meat to suckle your music <laughs> deep upon. So yeah. I, I always go immediately for like seventies and eighties punk, post-punk. Yeah. Sort of, um, I mean, Echo and the Bunnymen is always my immediate go-to as a, as a sort of sentence because I think often when people ask you what music you like, mm-hmm. they want to be able to latch on or say, oh, really, I like so-and-so. Mm-hmm. So I throw Echo and the Bunnymen out and see what happens. Yeah. But, I mean, I was brought, I, I was obsessed with the Enemy magazine when I was a kid. Yeah. yeah. So I had the subscription, me and my friend Sophie, because we went mm-hmm. to a, a boarding school because um, mm-hmm. I'm really relatable. <laughs> and once a week, we managed to persuade the librarian if we could get a copy of the NME delivered. And it would mm-hmm. come into the, and you couldn't take it out of the library. So me and Sophie would just meet on the Friday when it came in mm-hmm. and we would just read everything. And it was at the time of MySpace, I remember when I still, I know this sounds really lame, but I was one of the first 100 people to like Bombay Bicycle Club on MySpace. And yeah. I still remember that going, <laughs> I really like this band. And yeah. I tried to recommend them to someone who claimed to be a music expert. And they're like, no, nah, I don't like it. And I remember discovering like, um, oh goodness, I'm going to forget. Like, I remember Katy Perry when she was first mm. in school with her song, You're So Gay and You Don't Even Like Boys. Like, and it was all sort of handmade stuff she'd done in her bedroom. Like, I remember being obsessed with sort of trawling the internet trying to find stuff 
<laughs> I just, oh, you've opened up a can of worms. I just want to, I remember this. There was this really cool Brazilian band that I discovered and I was in charge of, so after we had assembly at school, we did mm -hmm. the hymns because it was a religious school. Um, there were three of us who were the tech girls who had to do the tech and make sure the microphones worked. Yeah. And our privilege was we got to play a song as assembly ended. And I still remember the sit formers because I was like, 15 at the time had written like a note complaining about my music <laughs> choices it's like we don't know who this band is and we don't want this weird music playing because yeah. i was playing like really odd stuff that i found on the internet going this is 19 minutes long and it's got lyrics <laughs> this is crazy. oh my god we would definitely be friends at school i think yeah Elf. Uh, yeah I've, yeah because especially around that time that the whole idea of music was changing in terms of the, it being on the internet and people making it in their own bedrooms and they're kind of putting it out for free like uh, uh, around uh, about 2005 2006 it was like uh, of that myspace uh, like years uh, with people like jeff rosenstock and um who was in uh, bond the music industry kind of started putting out lots of free stuff and that was like a new wave of punk where you can just do stuff for free put it out there and i think it's really cool um but also it allows people like uh, uh listeners just to find out new cool artists as well there's nothing better than finding a brand new artist who actually does well so, someone like you love that no one else knows and even if they do get big that's cool but also if they don't it's to your band you know i like that it creates such a personal connection feeling to me like I suppose the way my dad would describe you know if you wanted to make a tape for someone you had mm -hmm. to sit and press play pause and then get you know it took time for my generation mm -hmm. I still remember having these all these blank cd-roms that I bought from WH Smith yeah and I used to like spent ages working out how I could then download the song illegally yeah because um, we didn't all have 99p readily available for every single track <laughs> on iTunes am I right yeah, and that's relatable yeah <laughs> and sort of getting them down and then I drafting these music lineups that I would then send to my friends like I was so obsessed with doing mm -hmm. I think I remember doing a, D a CD for Masood Milas, who's a comedian, mm -hmm. when we were back in like 2009, 2010. Mm -hmm. Like I would make all these CDs for my friends. I was just, it was such, but it took time to make sure, oh wait, the end of this yeah. song doesn't move into this song. Yes, oh my God, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, I, I love making the playlist and I, I uh, what I do, uh, this is uh, gonna be peak Matt Hoss, but in my free time, uh, every like year or so, I make a Guardians of the Galaxy playlist for my friends' kids. And what it is, uh, if you don't, if uh, listeners don't know about Guardians of the Galaxy, it's a Marvel film where it's kind of like funky sounds from before 1988 and uh, it's to do with like a, a sci-fi uh, like superhero film. And I really, really uh, love it. And uh, the, my friends' kids really love that film. So I make them uh, individual CDs and I have to, I spend about, like so long, like hours and hours, just making sure it's seamless, if you know what I mean? Like I put more work into that CD than my Edinburgh shows, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's what- Oh I'm my goodness. I've, when people talk to me about how I make my shows, I always, well, I always say to people, I say to people that sounds so pompous, but anyone who will talk to me, yeah. <laughs> I, I spend about a couple of, like a, probably about a week or two working out all the songs yeah and then i go into a rehearsal room or wherever and i start improvising around the music like swan was predominantly music mm -hmm. i mean if anyone from prs is listening there's no music longer than two minutes in that show but i mean we had nick cave we had yeah. pretty much most of shaikovsky in it we had azealia banks like there was some really odd 
curveballs. We had music from a uh, WWE wrestling. Mm-hmm. Like it's really important to get yeah. get your get your music th- sass. Yeah, <laughs> Don't know how to speak right now. <laughs> no, uh, I absolutely agree. And uh, with uh, this is more of a tangent. We'll, we'll certainly come back in a second, but I think it's in terms of creativity as well. I find. Um, not only just the walking music for a show really important because that, that kind of sets the scene, but also the music that you have to listen to to kind of create that show. Like before I make, similar to you, like I, uh, I created a playlist for uh, 2020 Fringe as well, which mm-hmm. didn't happen, but like though I still listen to those songs as a like time something for my year, the year I want to talk about and how I felt during that time. And that's with every playlist as well. I think it's uh, how you feel in those motions and every time of music i guess because it's how you felt at that time as well and how mm-hmm. uh, you were and where you were and i think that's the magic of music that's the I, have you ever done that thing when you hear a song in a particular music emotional state and it mm-hmm. resonates and you really connect with those lyrics and it i think this is a particular thing that happens with particularly sad songs or sort of acoustic mm-hmm. songs and then you play them to someone and in your head it's this really evocative poetic song and then you play it to your friend and you really listen to it again for the first time and it's just one bloke going I'm a miserable I'm a miserable man and there's no tune I'm so sad and your friend's just looking at it going I love that yeah is that what you listen to all the time I bought that for 99p I think um (laughs) but um definitely connect to that feeling by the way but uh so have you ever wanted to be a musician did you ever learn any instruments yes I've learned so many instruments and I am like for anyone listening I will be in your band (laughs) I I, (laughs) call me I will be there I have I I was desperate to be music I sung opera when I was a teenager like that was the thing I was I like I've got a really low singing voice and I used to be able to sing and then I went to university and was like I'm gonna smoke and I'm not gonna do any of my warm-ups like my singing teacher told me to and I'm definitely not gonna drink enough water and my voice just went plummeted but uh it I was really, I, I mean, I played the piano for eight years, but that was only because I wasn't, my parents told me I wasn't allowed to stop until I passed my grade one. Yeah. So I didn't pass my grade one for eight years. I mean, I'm, yeah. it's a ball. I did drums before. I yeah. sang for all that time. Uh, I love a tambourine. I've got yeah. a massive, I ended up putting myself in a hospital from playing the tambourine too hard on my head. They thought I'd given myself an aneurysm and I started bleeding out my nose and ears. And was um, that on a first date as well? That was on a first date, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just always bring the tambourine. I'm like, have you heard the song? I'm so sad. Jingle, jingle, But I, I, was, I read Viv Albertine's memoir a couple of years back and it was the incentive for me to buy an electric guitar. Mm-hmm. which I have subsequently never properly played. Oh, like, it's my. just sat there in my room, beautiful. And every time I go, I think it's become, you know, when you get so frightened of something, mm-hmm. which is so, iron- well, not ironic, but it's weird considering I always throw myself normally hook, line and sinker into everything. But mm-hmm. the the guitar has become this weird emblem of not being able to complete some, or like a dream unfinished. Yeah. Wow, that's that's really interesting. It must be like stood there, just like 
like almost mocking you as well like i mean i've started like looking out for dating people who play the guitar because i'm thinking in my head <laughs> if you if this turns out to be the real thing and we're in a proper relationship i could give that to you for a christmas present <laughs> and then it feels like it's been a long-weighted emotional invest investment yeah. I don't know. I will eventually learn it. I'm going to use, I think once I say I'm going to use it for a show, then I'll learn it. Cause if yeah. the show is the reason, I'm not sure if that's with you. If you say, Oh, I'm going to put this in my show, then you yeah. will do everything in your power to get it done. Absolutely. Well, if you ever want uh, any uh, lessons and anything like that, I'm more than happy to uh, do it over Zoom or whatever. Like, oh my God, mate, do you want to be in a band? Yes, yes, I do <laughs> want to be in a band, yeah. like Let's be in a band. <laughs> like, like, I've got us. nothing to do at the moment. <laughs> the, the Zoom chat is essentially like a, it's like a recording history, I feel. Like, this is, uh, this is, where, this is where, in like two years' time, probably going to be like headlining Wembley you know what I mean this but, like, is going to uh, be canon but yeah. this is also what affected people who are listening to two small children who should have been friends when they were yeah. little <laughs> yeah and if we'd yeah. met when we were younger we would have saved ourselves so much pain and yeah. you know moments of being the weird kid at the house oh when you were allowed to select your song on the ipod at a mm -hmm. party oh my god and you'd yeah. have to take unplug their ipod and put your ipod in and you'd scroll dial through yeah and then i remember putting this weird version of it was a black eyed peas song but it wasn't one of their big ones and again it was like a 15 minute track without <laughs> lyrics but a fantastic rhythm section and yeah. i remember this really attractive guy coming up to me going you can't possibly like this music yeah and like, I was still on that stage of not knowing, not being confident enough to go piss off, yeah. but not being weak enough to go, to go, oh no, of course not. So I just sort of looked at him and went, uh, <laughs> just grunted. I, uh, similarly, I think we might be the same person because uh, a house party I once put on uh, the 20, a 21 minute song or 22 minute song, uh, uh, 2112 by Rush, which is a, a sci-fi odyssey, really, about uh, a, a civilization, uh, a future civilization who forgot music. And that's not a, that's not a party song. They were playing like uh, uh, ABBA like five minutes ago, but then, hello, someone doesn't know how to play guitar, and then it, it evolves. It's great. ABBA should be banned. I'm going to make this point. I went to a wedding, and then we will start with this festival, okay? Yeah. I'm sorry. I've just got a lot of stuff that I want to get off my plate <laughs> right now, because you've opened up an emotional can of worms. <laughs> I went to my mate's wedding last year. Yeah. And it was the first hour and there was a ABBA song. Classic. Mm -hmm. Get everyone on the dance floor. We all know ABBA. We know how to move to it. Safe, mm -hmm. not too much pelvic thrusting, bish bash bosh. Suddenly a second ABBA song comes on. Okay, okay, that's an interesting choice. Second ABBA. Third ABBA. Triple play ABBA. I, I, and I'm like, oh, okay. I, I'm going to have to sit down and mama needs some more wine if mama's <laughs> going to get through all of ABBA's back catalogue. Yeah. And then uh, probably about half an hour, an hour later, Sonnet um, Tainted Love comes on by Soft Cell. Mm -hmm. um, I think we can all agree. One of the best songs, best uh, covers of all time. I come onto the dance floor. I'm, I'm kicking it. I'm getting into it. I've had the right amount of sherry to loosen my groove, <laughs> to commit and give them what they wanted. And then halfway through that song, it gets changed for another ABBA song. Oh my that God. Was at the point where I thought, I'm going to talk to the DJ. <laughs> yes, it's the groom's dad. The oh my God. He said, you do not change tainted love halfway through. No. For ABBA. Yeah. yeah. 
And like that sounds like it's almost like a kind of some form of like Greek hell, if you know what I mean. Kind of like being like you're like Tantalus, so close to like a, to a soft cell, and then the, you get swapped at the very last minute for Abba as well. It's my mate Matthew, who I'm bringing into my music festival, and yeah. who I want to dedicate a bit of time talking about. I went to his wedding. I just want to make it clear to people that I'm really fun at a wedding. <laughs> <laughs> but I went to the wedding, and I think his uncle was DJing. And his uncle played a 20-minute um, extended version of Talking Head Psycho Killer, but without the lyrics. Oh, my God. So can you imagine? Yeah. Like, it, that is hell. Because Talking Heads <laughs> is phenomenal. But the extended version song's lyrics should not be allowed. Yeah. <laughs> At a wedding as well. That's a gamble. Uh, um, but I think it's time to... Um, or like we this is usually a two to three minute bit but this is already highly enjoyable though i'm very much enjoying it. i'm um, so sorry i can't no no stop. you don't need to be apologetic like honest as you said i think we are two kids just like kind of like oh my god this is great so i am absolutely <laughs> loving it but i think now we should head over to the campsite let's go and set up camp Hi, it's Matt Hoss here. Just wanted to ask for a small favor. Please give us a five-star rating on your podcast app of choice. This helps people notice the podcast a little bit more, and it's really nice to see those lovely reviews. And on top of that, why don't you share it with friends and follow us at Castful Podcast on Twitter. And you can email us at castfulpodcast at gmail.com if you want to get in touch. Enjoy the rest of the episode, and thank you. What's the name of your festival called? Um, so I think because we've got a lot of hipsters in the world, we want their money. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to go for a really intriguing yeah. title. So I've just gone for Le Théâtre de Mort, which is the theatre of death. Oh, wow. Um, Le Théâtre de Mort. Wow. Uh, but it will be spelt in comic sans. <laughs> <laughs> Because it will be, they'll go, oh my goodness, that's so ironic, thinking that's how you correctly use it. Um, and it will be sort of like lime green coloured. And it will be printed on those old, the poster will be all the like swamp monsters from yes. horror films yeah. in the like, 60s and 70s. And it will be printed on them. They've all got bosoms. Yeah. <laughs> I think in only like four words, you've really highlighted so much of your festival in this tone already. Like, wow. Uh, it, welcome to La Cité de Moi in Comic Sans. Like, yeah, it's brilliant. I love that. Whereabouts geographically is your festival? I was, okay, geographically, I quite like the idea of not telling anyone where it is. Okay. So it's one of those ones where, for eco-friendly the only way you can get to the festival is if you all buy a ticket for the coach and the coach mm -hmm. takes everyone because yeah. i do not want any cars at my festival i want mm -hmm. you dropped off i also like the idea that once you're there you can't escape because <laughs> i quite like yeah. recreating my emotional experiences at festivals and yeah. I'm a woman who went to Glastonbury for less than 24 hours. Oh I God. turned up when absolutely not. Get me out of here. 
I'm leaving. It was not what I call a calming event. So uh, what was wrong with Glastonbury? Is it something it's just... too big, too many yeah. people, too many mm. spaces to walk, too mm. many food stalls. Didn't like it. I just wanted to enjoy my bit of keen. Kylie, yeah. get me out of here. Any place that has you have to use Google Maps in order to get from <laughs> one end to the other. Yeah. No, you shouldn't be able to see a festival from the NASA space station. <laughs> Yeah. And I just, I realised I love music. I don't always like people. So, yeah. So to create that sort of horror vibe as well, based on the imagery of the swamp monsters, yeah. everyone has to get the coat to it. You then turn up through a sign that says, welcome to Le Théâtre de Mort. And then on the other side, like in a typical Goosebumps episode, it will have, you will never leave. <laughs> yeah. And... It's in a swamp. Okay. So it's like swampland, forests, really Scooby-Doo style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody's allowed to tent. It's all big floating hammocks and tree houses in the sky, which also I think is quite useful because each tree house or hammock is given with its own bucket. So if yeah. you need the loo, you just go in the bucket. <laughs> and then, I mean... Look, infrastructure-wise, it's just me that's been working on it. So I might have yeah. hygiene and health and safety inspectors getting on me. But look, just give a girl a break. Everyone's yeah. got a bucket. What more can you want? <laughs> the bucket, because all of it kind of sounds like it's been really planned ahead. Like we've got the, the hammocks. We've got we've got the the um, the, the, the coaches bring everyone in. It's a, it's a you've made the swamp uh, accessible to uh, the masses. Uh, but also at the final hurdles, like okay, there's a bucket. There you go, done. <laughs> Everyone, before you are allowed to enter the festival, you have to eat twelve eggs. <laughs> <laughs> the eggs will bind you up, as my mum always said. Give an egg for a bind. It'll bind you up. It means you won't need to do a number two. Everyone will only be allowed to drink a certain amount of water. <laughs> no, it's not fascist Italy. You were allowed. There'll be, but I'm trying to. What I'm trying to say is, don't. Nobody at my festival is going to need to do a number two. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was it was teetering on like totalitarianism there, but I I I kind of like it because a lot of people's festivals is like. We're going to do fun, but my way fun. So it's going to be enforced fun. Oh, there's, there's no fun in this. <laughs> this is not a fun festival. This is a festival where you understand my music and you listen to me. It's my festival. And if you don't, oh, and this is it. So the swamp is in this very bizarre sort of particular area of the world where it's surrounded by wolves. So you literally... <laughs> You cannot just wander off because oh you will be at threat of dying. So, and it's the festival's only restricted to, I think, a thousand people. Okay. Well, firstly, you kind of sound like we talked about Scooby Doo earlier. You sound like a Scooby Doo villain here because it's like we're in a swamp and uh, you're not allowed to leave and there's wolves. Only drink 12 grams of water. Here's 12 eggs. You know what I mean? I think. <laughs> It's, but uh, it's gonna be fun, Matt. Yes. Okay. Yes. I, yeah. And oh, and also in the swamp, yeah. there are these there are swamp monsters, which are sort of they're either deep sea divers dressed as swamp creatures. Yeah. But I quite like the idea that everyone's in a constant state of fear. <laughs> 
but they but again people like that now like people go yeah. to escape rooms yeah so this is sort of marketed as a high-end escape festival escape festival yeah yeah so you cannot leave like like the forest is full of wolves the swamp <laughs> is full of swamp monsters that will drown you yeah um obviously there's a spa but the spa again the water turns you into a swamp <laughs> so people can only walk through the air so you have to it has this sort of weird go ape experience okay okay and everyone's in hammocks which again is great because it stops this whole this whole nasty business of people jumping into people's tents and having sex <laughs> none of that at my festival no you sleep in the hammock <laughs> you sleep in the hammock you've been assigned my man <laughs> wow this is a you know what this is a very unique festival <laughs> and uh i like it because it, it is an escape room and i i like your logic you know people do like escape rooms people do like having that kind of intensity but I'm, i think it's unusual to have that, that that intensity over three days if you know what i mean then that must be quite like a and also like escape rooms usually don't have the actual threat of death yeah like... i want to make it clear to people 1,000 come in, not all 1,000 get back on the couch. <laughs> yeah, imagine a skate room, but with a panther in it. That's essentially what you're saying. <laughs> like, well, well, there's no, obviously, there's no panthers. It's just wolves. Just wolves, sorry. <laughs> so, I'm so sorry. I got it incorrect. That's okay. I will forgive you. You are allowed <laughs> at my festival. I feel like if I get this wrong, I think I might be the first death at the festival. So I'm going to have to be walking on eggshells. And there are a lot of eggshells because there's 12 eggs to eat. So, yeah. um, okay. So I think it's time to head to some form of stage uh, quickly. And I think it's good. Let's go to see some music before the wolves eat our hands. <laughs> Great. So we go, this is Friday. Okay. So there are three giant tree houses. Mm-hmm. These are the stages that you have to come into. And again, I like this because if you can't get into one t- treehouse, you go to another treehouse. So there's yeah. only three treehouses and they are all called Fun Stage Number One, Fun Stage <laughs> Number Two, yeah. and Fun Stage Number Three. Yes, this has totally been pre planned and I have not just improvised this on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, maybe they'll change as titles. I feel like people won't trust me if they're called fun. They they are all written in Comic Sans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but with uh, the fun bit in bold and underlined as well. Just just for good measure as well. Like, fun stage. Whoa. So I haven't really thought of the lineup, but I feel like this is the cool thing about my festivals. So all the acts have been booked. I'd like to clarify all the acts are getting properly paid so are all the people all the swamp monsters all the wolves yeah. are being looked after no one is working for free at this festival i want to make that really clear yeah. so the reason you spend two thousand pounds to be a member of my elite festival is okay. because it is you are paying for everyone and also you go towards the food and the coffee because there's none of this oh how much is that bowl of soup 18 pounds yeah, yeah totally all the food is free so and it's mm. you know there's enough for everyone. Mm-hmm. I so, want to make sure people are fed and watered. And again, it's all good home-brewed alcohol. Like I love the, I love at Green Man Festival, the beer is always on point. Yeah. But I don't like this whole, let's get drunk nonsense. No, one pint for you is all you need, my man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> pint, pint <laughs> in the atmosphere. Have you not ever played Ice Spy? Yeah. <laughs> one pint and no shagging. 
No, absolutely. Yeah, no shagging uh, and you will, will enjoy my music whether you like it or not. It's no, I mean, day. everyone obviously can get drunk, but yeah, I think yeah. the fact that you're in a true, like you are having to literally swing from ropes from yeah. one place. To, obviously, there's brilliant disability access. So if you mm. are in a wheelchair, do not worry. There is like a certain route for you. No man is left behind at my festival. Yeah. But for everyone else who um, you have to swing from ropes like Tarzan, yeah. Um, and if you don't, if you can't do it, you do drop down into the swamp and get eaten. <laughs> so that's sort of, you can obviously drink as much as you want, but do you want to drink as much as you want? Because this is a festival, but it's also the descent. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I like it because that I like that even more because like, it's like you can get drunk, but there's a high chance of you turn into a swamp monster. And what is that? I think the wolves, are, they're attracted to magnets. So, uh, you know, good luck. Uh, yep. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. So the first day, I think, is this is sort of my chilled, chilled out indie vibe, I suppose, very simplistically. Yeah. And all the artists sort of get to decide as and when they get to perform based off the vibe mm-hmm. they feel for watching each other act. Okay. That is another very calm way of me saying I couldn't decide a running order. Because also in my head, these guys are all headliners. And yes, yeah. I quite so, like the idea that after each act performs, you then like have a heart, like an hours where the acts get to chat to everyone in the audience and the treehouse. Mm-hmm. Everyone gets to chill and discuss the music. And then and, the next act sex, sets up. And I guess, yeah, I think you mentioned you had like a maximum a capacity of a thousand people, which I think at this festival with tree houses, you probably need less people for it to work because you can have like a Glastonbury level peoples in tree houses. Uh, but, uh, but what's quite nice there, it means that it's a bit more chilled out. You have a bit more of a connection to the, to the artists perhaps. And mm-hmm. there's a bit more of that democratic feel to it. I just really want it to feel like cool 1960s Paris, but in a yeah. swamp in a tree house. <laughs> Also, each each treehouse is um, painted bright orange. Yeah, because <laughs> when you said you wanted like sixties Paris in a treehouse, that is literally the same as calling uh, uh, la uh, la theater de moi, but with comic sounds. That's that, that juxtaposition is there. It's I like it. It's really nice. I just want people to feel very unsteady <laughs> emotionally. <laughs> And physically walking, like the creators of the festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do want to clarify, I, I do want, this will be, re- <laughs> if this actually happens, if anyone listened and gave me the money, a treehouse festival for 1,000 people with beautiful tree houses would be, re- like, I remember working at a festival called Tandem Festival in Oxford mm-hmm. years ago. No, I think there was only two stages, but it was all operated by bikes, as in, so if you cycled there to the festival, you got a free ticket, but oh, all wow. the bikes helped generate the electricity and all the food made was sort of from found free cycle and all the stages were made from recycled items. That's great. And we had this beautiful barn and my job was we had all these old books that were very like, you, they were unreadable. They were on the close, you know, on the, on the verge of complete disrepair. Yes. Yeah. And with a thin string, we sewed them up. So they were all hanging from the ceiling. So when you walked in, it was like this Alice in Wonderland experience of different, wow. of all these floating books. So that's the sort of vibe I liked. But I loved how small it was because you really did get to know everyone at the festival. Mm-hmm. It was really homemade and organic the fact everyone had cycled there there was sort of this everybody was getting to chat to each other 
during the day before the bands started, people were just playing football, learning how to do woodwork. Mm -hmm. Like, because we're in a swamp, people can learn about carpentry. I want people to learn about how do you make a fire? How do you survive in an apocalypse? I want people to really understand how they can cope in the new world after the ice caps have melted and all the politicians have um, turned into wolves because that is, (laughs) that is something else. There's, there's sort of been a rage virus going on that has turned everyone who, anyone who wants to go into politics has turned into a wolf. Yeah, because I think the moment anyone tells you they want to go into politics, you don't trust them. Yeah. So there's this weird undercurrent. I think what I've, it's it's just it's a festival and it's a horror film. Yeah. Okay. But, I like it. But with this really homemade atmosphere. So imagine all these books floating down from us. Everything's sort of really well cared for, well crafted, and in the stages. Um. So. Yeah. On one stage, uh, so one of the, let's just focus on one particular treehouse for now on the Friday. You have uh, the amazing Cigarettes After Sex. Yes, yeah. Fantastic band, really sort of, Cigarettes After Sex are exactly how they sound. They are a cigarette after sex. They're sort of, you can imagine listening to them in a haze, drinking Mm -hmm. a nice whiskey or a really dark cup of coffee in the dark. Mm-hmm. You, no matter what gender you are, when you listen to cigarettes after sex, you've got a beard. You have yeah. a beard. You um, you smell of last night's last night's woman on your body. You're mm-hmm. in a motel. Yeah. You you don't know who you are. You're friends with Bukowski. <laughs> you you know Raymond Carver. You've got yeah. an issue with alcohol, but you know what love is. Yeah. You know the curvature of a woman's body. She bends down to the earth to pick up her knickers you know what a you're Galway kennel like you are old poetry you're a yeah. man on the road you are this bearded man who really understands pain and <laughs> when you send a cigarettes after sex song to somebody that you fancy they will listen to it and go wow mm-hmm. this person knows me yeah and it feels like uh, when you listen to them, they're kind of like, they're very emotive and uh, very sleek, euphoric. And it feels uh-huh. like you're in, in like a, in a, like a, uh, a bit of a rom-com or maybe like a transition in like a, mm-hmm. you know, it feels very uh, cinematic, the music. Yeah, that's, uh, I think, a uh, respectable young woman, I think it's called. This film, it was meant to be released this year with Carrie Mulligan, but the opening sequence of the trailer if you promising young woman, that's what it is. If you watch the trailer, cigarettes after sex is one of the tracks that sets the scene, and it's her drunk passed out in a bar. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean that that's again, it's a horror film. So, but they are they have got this. It's the end of the night. You're sat there. You've probably got a bob if you're you know you're wearing really nice clothes, but yeah. you're smoking a cigarette. Everything's red. Everything's yeah. leather and velvet, and suddenly this guy comes in and he looks at you and he says, "What's up? You look tired." And then you say something like, "The fish are flying in my mind," and he goes, "Make love to me." And then the whole time, cigarettes after sex are playing. I I can't because I got a harness on. I'm really sorry. <laughs> I can't I? I don't want to be eaten by the swamp people. <laughs> <laughs> I've had my allotted lager and that is it, thank you. Um, but the cigarettes after sex, when they play, all the swamp people make love. <laughs> I mean, what a sight. I mean, um, yeah, I mean. So, yeah, so they play and they start off the festival 
um, because they are one of the most beautiful lyricists. He's the most beautiful lyricist of all time. I cannot explain how much I adore this band. Um, so what what allowed, what got you into cigarettes after sex? And um, when did you first listen to them? I remember hearing them randomly when I was crawling the internet one night and their lyrics to You're So Sweet mm-hmm. and Knowing That You Love Me. The, the lyrics are basically about when you realise that someone loves you and how you feel like unbreakable and how it's that really saccharine feeling of, oh, wow, like that tingling excitement when you first start fancying someone and you can't stop thinking about them. But it's in this very slow, melodic state, mm-hmm. which it's not that, you know, those pop songs about love, which are just yeah. sort of candy crush music. This is, you can just listen to the music over and over again. And I discovered it probably about 2017. And I'd started falling in love with this guy who was also really into music, but mm-hmm. again, very different you know at the stage of a relationship when you're sending each other music non-stop and you also take the time to listen to every song they send you and uh yeah I couldn't stop listening to them and then I've listened to all of their music since and I have their records and I've got a ticket to go and see them live um it's hard to explain because once you discover a band you can't imagine your life without them weirdly yeah absolutely I, I can never they've always been there in some way that's a really wonderful point and i i know there's types of music which i i love right now um who are like um like quite unique bands and like uh, they've been such a massive part of my life in the last two to three years that it feels weird to not have them but as you say they they are they were always there but you just didn't know they existed if you know what i mean like they were yeah yeah absolutely it's um um, they are a relationship they are a love affair and they are sort of it's not unrequited love because the lyrics always give back to you and the music always gives back to you i think that's why people don't understand why you get so upset when a band splits up Mm -hmm. but it's a level of stability those records will always be the same you know and that that music will always there's a sort of this weird they are completely paused and yet they evolve. Like that's mm-hmm. the exciting thing about when I remember seeing, um, oh goodness, uh, you know, the guy sang Lay Lady Lay, Lay Across, you know, a fantastic, what's his name? Mm. Big oh, Dog, yeah. Big uh, Dog, sounds like Scooby-Doo now. What's his face? <laughs> I mean, Bob Dylan, that's him. <laughs> Sorry, Big I know. <laughs> I love how that's my immediate reaction to how I described Bob Dylan. The Big Dog. Big, <laughs> I, I had no idea. It's like, Big but, Dog, Scooby-Doo? Like, who? But Bob Dylan, he's, yeah. he's always there. His music will always be there for you. Like, I love listening to him. I listen to him all the time. But I remember seeing him live and being so annoyed because mm-hmm. he had decided to do all of his songs with this weird jazz version. Yeah. And so he sang them with a totally different rhythm section. And I was really pissed off. But at the same time, it was, it was lovely because he was still there. He was still mm-hmm. giving me his love by performing. And so I was like, this is the most healthy relationship I've been in. Yeah. He's evolving <laughs> and I'm accepting that. <laughs> yeah. But it really is like the relationship towards music is so... Uh... Uh, and I think that relationship's key because, like, sometimes to go back to a point we made earlier, like when you listen to, you can listen to a song you know the words to over and over, and they'd be like, "Yeah, this is pretty good." 
but on just one day on a certain day it might just hit you away that wow you know i get it and you might like be very emotional towards yeah. it as well like it and i like that because it's not it's not just uh you listen to a band and taking the music mm-hmm. that's it it's always it's a relationship how you change and every time you listen to it you might get another meaning from it as well and i think mm-hmm. that's really important and this leads on to the next band that plays on this room and yes. it's serge gainsberg uh, yes oh my his, god yeah it's his melody nelson album which yes. is this fantastic orchestral story um it's also quite funny um mm-hmm. i mean i think i understand it in my broken french um but he basically hits this girl with his car <laughs> Oh. And she's really fit. And he's yeah. like, what's your name? Melody. Melody Nassan. And then the violins flourish. Yeah. And it's this sort of love story. But yeah. it starts with him hitting her with his car. So I listened to this album this morning. Uh, it's the Histoire de Melody Nassan from 1971 by Sir Gainsborough. Um, and it's uh it, yeah it's really uh, I've it's uh, in French it's very sexy uh it's uh-huh. uh it's he has this uh, it's like spoken word French like ah uh, je sais moi la tierra de moi stuff like that and uh and it's like uh, it felt very uh, very but it's also got like rock sound to it as well a lot of mm-hmm. uh, funky bass and uh and uh, as you mentioned like a string uh, arrangement as well there's a lot of lots of stuff going on there it's really cool Gainsbourg's just an absolute big dog yeah <laughs> bob dylan <laughs> he's, he's so like bob dylan <laughs> i just think that album's magnificent and i really i really enjoy his music i love his arrangements yeah i like how I think people who haven't listened to his music have a sort of one one track perception of it. I think mm-hmm. they just see it as sleazy French stuff, which is such a silly, simplistic way of viewing how good he is at building narratives with sound. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because you think about the layering of all the different stories that you're, you know, the way you can pick out a violin and then you can pick out, like you said, those sweet, like, funky rhythms. And there's some really sexy stuff in the undergrowth. Yeah, I'm not amused. I I don't have the problem tra- describing music for me is because I don't understand music really. Like I don't yeah. understand the counts and the beats. And the, when I try and describe it, it, it it's I don't feel like it sounds. I'm not always giving it doing it justice because I can mm-hmm. only sort of give you paint colours of what it is. You have yes. to listen to it. But that album, I would but- recommend anyone to sit and listen to it in whole. And it's not very long as well. I think it's like a less than half an hour, and it's really. Yeah. Um, I I I didn't sit there like trying to find a translation to it. I just wanted to take in what it was, if you know what I mean. And uh, yeah, even though I didn't understand it, like the person hitting them with the car, that's totally new to me. But also, I really, I just enjoyed the aura it gives off as well. I think mm-hmm. it's really lovely. Um, so how did you hear about Serge Gainsbourg? Because I've never heard of him before. I so I went to Paris. I lived in Paris. Uh, oh, really? Studying at a place called Le Col Gallier. But before that, the reason that sort of led me to going to Paris was I went to Paris for a fun boozy weekend with my mate Alex Cunningham. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why I've given him his last name, but he's an absolute, <laughs> absolute big dog. And we went and had a really excellent time. Like it was proper sort of those. It, I will always stay with me as being a brilliant weekend. But I ended up hooking up with his cousin and being in a very serious relationship with him and his cousin with this like 45 year old oh, Parisian, uh, 
beautiful sexy man who was in a rock band and oh my God. Was a musician and was as French as French can be and yeah. he and I used to spend so much time just listening to records and we would put this record on and get very high on life and <laughs> dance to it in I suppose in that sort of cigarettes after sex vision as I was describing and I adored it and it, it becomes a very evocative part of my life because I remember listening to this album when I would write or when I read or I just dance to it or yeah just sometimes I could just sit and listen to it in full and I've listened to it a lot during lockdown yeah but he just he introduced me to a lot of French music but Serge Gainsbourg sort of stayed with me and then he also introduced me to the B-52s which I want they are playing at this festival but they are playing tomorrow on Saturday okay um, but yes yeah. yeah, so that's how I discovered Serge Gainsbourg but then they lead on to can I then describe the next band absolutely Echo and the Bunnymen Oh, wow. And now, um, yeah, you mentioned it earlier as like your kind of staple of uh, this is like the, the pinnacle of your music taste, perhaps. Mm-hmm. A post-punk, like a, how do you describe Echo and the Bunny Men to people who have never heard of them? Uh, cult, proper indie, British, yeah, proper lyrics. I don't, proper the, lyrics. Proper, proper lyrics. British. They, are, they are brilliant. Yes. They are such a good use of violins and mm-hmm. orchestra and string instruments. Ian McCulloch, I think, has one of the best singing voices of all time. You cannot get a voice like that. I heard him at the Royal Albert Hall a year or two ago. I went on my own. And that man can kill it. He, mm-hmm. His voice is this rich, charismatic, but it's so full of his personality. He's also, a, he's such a, he's so stroppy, which I love. Yeah. But in a way, not like the Gallagher guy from that band, The Oasis. Yeah. <laughs> but he's he's got real he's real swag and he's quick, and his style. I I heard Jarvis Cocker in an interview say how his hairstyle was inspired by Ian McCulloch from Echo and the Bunnymen, which yeah. I really liked as an Easter egg of music knowledge. But their lyrics like "Spare us the cutter, bring on the dancing horses." Yes, uh, yeah. "Killing Moon," the "Killing Moon," which gets used in many a film. Yeah, and I think they're a band that if you, especially the "Killing Moon," I think you might have heard of it before because it is, yeah, again, cinematic to a degree, but also, um, yeah, they, it's music so rich and it's kind of like sounds a bit like Tom York singing with a bit of the cure, dark and moody, but with kind of like psychedelic from the doors. There's a, there's mm-hmm. a mixture of different sounds there as well. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Yeah. And they, I mean, I can't imagine my life without them because I was brought up with them as a child. I knew Echo and the Bunnymen as a word before I mm-hmm. knew them as a music. Yeah. Like, because it was this thing that my dad, that my dad sort of carried with him like a talisman of, you know, an incantation as a child i'd hear bounds of course we know no bounds strictly verboten out 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 which is a set of lyrics from one of their songs mm-hmm. and uh, they would always be played in the car and crocodiles was an album that we listened to a lot and i can't and like when i think of my dad i think of echo and the bunnyman and when i think of echo and the bunnyman i think of my dad and i remember seeing them live when i was 14 at the coco in camden with my dad and then i saw them at Shepherd's Bush a few years later. Um, you can hear me whooping on one of the live recordings oh, of the that's album. that's so cool. I like. love that. And I, they're, 
they are very, very important to me. And it's almost hard to explain why, because I've heard them for such a long time. I remember not thinking they were cool either when I was a kid, like 11, 12. I thought they were absolutely awful because they were my dad's band. You yeah. know, they were old music. And then when I was about 15, 16, I remember casually mentioning to this young philosophy student, he must have been about 20 or 19, but for me, he looked like a god. It was on the mm -hmm. Isle of Wight. Yeah. And he was like, so what music are you into? And I was like, oh, you know, not like this lame stuff. My dad's really into Echo the Bunnyman. He went, oh, wow, they're great. Yeah. And this young guy that I sort of wanted to be friends with, telling that to me, I thought, what? Really? Yeah. And then I, in that very typical mm -hmm. way as a young girl, something wanting to appeal to someone, I was like, well, maybe I will give them a listen. And I, I think that's really amazing because like language, uh, like especially more cult bands as well, I find that they can be like, they can make instant friends out of it. Because I remember when I was at uni, I, I ran um, like a, a couple of pub quizzes and a karaoke for a bar. And uh, on one of the pub quiz nights, I was uh, playing some tunes and uh, one of them, uh, Neutral Milk Hotel came on and the mm -hmm. song uh, Holland 1945. It just popped up and I, I just got into them. And uh, there was this guy, like, uh, he had a group of like laddie mates and he just like, he, he just tapped me on the shoulder and excuse me, do you know, is this your playlist? I was like, yeah. He's like, I can't believe you put that song because none of my friends know this, uh, this, this band, let alone this song. And uh, yeah, it just means a lot that someone else has the same taste as I do as well. And mm -hmm. I just think it's nice that like, you can find those friends through that music as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, my biggest mistake in life was once a guy at a nightclub, at, not at a house party, sung one of the lyrics of Echo and the Bunnyman to me. And in my head, I was quite drunk. I was like, this guy's my soulmate. <laughs> and in hindsight, he just heard that he just clearly knew one of the songs of the band I liked. And then yeah. and I was so easy because I was like, brilliant. Wow. Like, yeah. It <laughs> shows you how emotional they are to me. Yeah. Someone recognized them and I was like, oh my goodness, you know me. Yeah, yeah. Well, in all fairness to yourself, like I read to younger self, I think it's easier to be kind of um, hoodwinked in that way because, like, you just assume. Because, uh, more so myself, uh, and I'm not sure how you feel, but certainly as a teenager, I was a bit more of an outlier mm -hmm. and a bit more, and um, so, um, not a social outcast because people did like me, but especially when it came to music, I felt very alone and stuff like mm -hmm. that. So, when, you do, when someone does have that or attempts to make that connection, I think that's nice, you know. It makes a huge difference. It really yeah. does. Again, um, we should have been friends as a kid. Um, yeah, we'll yeah. Be, we can be friends now. Yes, you know? uh, yeah. friends? <laughs> there's been a band as well. Uh, yeah, that's, um, that's happening. Yeah, uh, other because I suppose we should probably get on to like yes. Saturday and Sunday, but like other bands that are at the top of my head, which I don't have time to reflect on regarding yeah. this, but on this day in particular, I'd have like David Byrne from Talking Heads, but his later on more uh, orchestral work that he did with like Brian Eno, he'd yeah. be in there. Perfume Genius would definitely be making an appearance. Ooh, yeah. Um, for sure. Juliana Barwick, who's a really interesting artist who does these really cinematic, like weird choral layering tracks, mm -hmm. we would be in there. So it'd be a really interesting first Friday Yes. Well, it's basically the Friday of you turn up after you've been dumped on the Thursday. That's it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. The Friday is that sort of vibe, getting you into sort of being joyful, celebrating life, but understanding that pain has happened. Yeah. So we then move on to Saturday. So who is on your Saturday? My Saturday is the B-52s. <sighs> Hello. Yes. Yes. They will be headlining. Uh, they are a big old part of it. 
um, and the amazing Viagra Boys, which many people do not know. Yes. So, okay. How about we start with uh, the Viagra Boys and move back to the B-52s? Because I think uh, these are both bands you've sent over to me. And, uh, and again, I've never heard of Viagra Boys, but wow, what a treat they were as well. Um, they're a six-person um, band uh, and quite surreal. Uh, uh, they're a Swedish post-punk band. Uh, and yeah, they, they're, their whole output's quite... Surreal, I would say, a bit and very interesting. So, um, yeah, how did you find Viagra Boys? I was taking my little brother to get a tattoo. So, my little brother, um, there's a really great tattooist in East London called Elliot Lane, who mm-hmm. I follow on Instagram, but he's really beautiful with line work. Um, my little brother, a friend of his, had passed away. My brother was very upset and he wanted to get his mate's name tattooed on him. And I said, cool, but let's get it done. Let's make it a proper nice experience. Let's not just go to any old Tom, Dick and Harry. Let's find a really good artist that you can build a relationship with because first tattoo is important. So we went to Elliot, whose brother Ryan is also my drag partner, Ryan Lane, who's a great comedian. Mm -hmm. Don't know why I said it like that. Comedian. (laughs) Comedian. Comedian. But we went and when my brother was getting the tattoo done, I was there, my sister was there. Um, and Viagra Boys were playing because they had just done like a small gig, I think, mm. in the Lacemakers shop, which is oh, the name wow. I think of the tattoo parlor. And they had just done a gig, and so that was why Elliot was listening to them. And they had such a brilliant vibe, and their albums are so interesting. Like their first album, Street Worms, mm-hmm. I just think it's a great title. And they've got a lot of black humor and satire yeah. in their lyrics, and Absolutely. their lyrics are so good. Like the the song "Someone Like You," mm-hmm. um, which there's a fantastic version of it online where they f- perform it in a pool in mm-hmm. like a snooker bar, and the lyrics are like it was all a dream, but it was so nice. Mm-hmm. I had a nice house and such a loving wife. Yeah. We had a little dog, just a little dog, but it reminded me of a big dog, but in just miniature size. Yeah, and you know, and it's all about being in this dream world. He's got stability and love, and people are kind, mm-hmm. and everyone is. And then when he wakes up, he realizes everything's shit. Yeah, but the way it's done, the way it builds, and the saxophone suddenly comes in, you mm-hmm. feel like you're going on this sort of journey into the the abyss you're going like it's dante's inferno in a yeah. post-punk track and there's a slight kind of um i might be incorrect here um, but there's a, um in terms of the vocals it sounds a slightly like a leonard cohen track as well they had that kind of that uh, almost deadpan uh like density if you know what i mean mm-hmm. uh, but also as you mentioned there's a lot of humor to the work as well like uh, if you like i checked out the website beforehand and like if, if you haven't been on it's like a it's like a 90s computer like if you're working in an office it's like it's just so weird but it's so uh vivid mm-hmm. i think that and that, i think that sums up viagra boys in my opinion yeah, and they've and their song sports. They yeah. also their the drummer like yeah. wow, that guy can drum, mm-hmm. and it's really like it's so r- full of rage, but like mm-hmm. unhappy rage. Like you know when you really like Whoa! you mm-hmm. want to like that proper carnal when you're a kid and you just want to fight and punch and burn <laughs> shit up. That's how I feel <laughs> listening to them. And, so, and that's how you got into hospitals uh, on the first days. And that's how I got into yeah. hospitals yeah, yeah, yeah. with my with my tambourine. <laughs> so yeah, Viagra Boys for sure, and uh, followed by the B52s, which is again a slightly different vibe, but party vibe. Like the beat is up. Now the personality and the comedy is there. And okay, so um, 
where would people most likely know B-52s? Because people might have heard of them before, but where do you reckon people might have heard of them? I mean, uh, if you've watched The Flintstones, they make a reference in that sweet film. They obviously sung Love Shack. Love Shack, is, yeah. Yeah, Love Shack and Rock Lobster yeah. is obviously a, quite a famous one. But yeah. they are an, um, uh, they're a new wave band. Yep. Basically. And they were like America's first big new wave band, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Their style, everything is sort of quite theatrical higher and like glossy mm-hmm. but there's a real sass to them i i mean i use the same words over and over again no no but like i think it's accurate it's precise because i think i i'm gonna say this is my opinion i think b52 is like kind of the ultimate festival band because uh, a lot of people might not buy tickets to see them by themselves um but at a festival i think there were so many people go to see them because like they because they are so joyful they're vibrant uh, and uh, just just full of energy they're the kind of perfect mm-hmm. festival act you know what i mean there's a lot of like oomph there and i think that'd be really and they are so much important I mean, when you listen to their first album from 1979 like 52 mm-hmm. girls planet claire like that album just kicks it like you get straight yeah. into it immediately like they're not messing around mm-hmm. this isn't i don't feel like this is an album you you, you know when you sometimes hear oh you need a second listen i think mm-hmm. by the first listen you go oh no okay yeah i want to join the party yes and i think if you had viagra boys first on and they're sort of dirty and that's that sort of sleazy kind of funny vibe and it's also a bit tongue-in-cheek and then the 52s come on which yeah. i think you can sort of see an echo in and they maybe the viagra boys would probably definitely disagree but i do mm-hmm. think there's something there like with their lyrics especially Absolutely. And they're just, I don't think they get enough credit. And I don't think they get enough credit. No, absolutely not. Not only are they great musically, they, they're also, they've always been quite outspoken in a good way in terms of like they've been, a, um, I think four out of the five founding members were um, LGBT. Uh, they've been very outspoken in terms of marriage equality and um, supportive of the AIDS crisis as well mm-hmm. in terms of, uh, yeah, so the, uh, and they supported acts like RuPaul, I think RuPaul's and Love Shack as well. So like, I think that stuff like that's yeah, really, so. mm-hmm. really brilliant. And that also kind of aids to their, um, it's their vibe as well. And I think, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think after this festival, um, even though a wolf might have bit my calf off, I'm going to be listening to B-52s on the way home. I'm very glad. Yeah. They are they are banging. Um, and uh, ba- like just related to them, like on this day as well, before we like move on to Sunday, which mm-hmm. is a big day because we've got a very exciting punk band playing. Yes. Um, but on the Saturday with these guys, we've obviously got um, bands like Future Islands playing, which are brilliant. We've also got Bootsy Collins and Parliament. Oh. Like we've got some really sassy, I need to stop saying sassy. <laughs> no, it's good. Absolute, yeah, yeah. like Future Islands lead singer, one of the best dancers in, in music. Like mm-hmm. that guy can move. He's got the, this fantastic guttural voice. Like I think Saturday is dedicated to some really interesting singers. Um, Bootsy Collins also, oh, like mm-hmm. I'd rather be with you. One of yeah. the most gorgeous love songs of all time. And Parliament, like mm-hmm. evening, late night, everybody's going to dance. I just think that's a really exciting, eclectic lineup, which people would probably go, why the hell would you have the B-52s, Viagra Boys, Future Islands, Bootsy Collins and Parliament all playing? That sounds like a completely hot mess. But this festival is a hot mess. Yeah. 
everyone yeah. is a hot mess right now. But I also think that you're also, as a curator, and uh, there, there is a certain aura and uh, vibe at this festival that you are creating as well. I think that it's, it is, um, you say it's a hot mess, and but I think there is certainly a theme going on here. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, uh, it's carefully uh, selected, I would say. Yeah, it's that I just I just want make I want to make people happy, <laughs> and also and make them ill. And yeah, make them throw them to the swamp monsters. Like <laughs> damn fucking straight. Um, <laughs> okay, so uh, is that it for your Saturday? Um, I think so. I feel like yeah. I'm gonna say. I mean, obviously not. Like, there's so many more bands. I mean, I would just. Oh, actually, can we just put Otis Redding in there as well? Because yes. Because yeah. he's definitely not suited for the Sunday vibe. But yeah. I mean, he's he's probably actually Otis is more of a Friday. Can we move Otis to Friday? Because he's more with the Viagra voice. Not with Viagra voice. He's more with like cigarettes yes. after sex for sure. Because um, Otis. Uh, cigarettes he is, and coffee he's got that song cigarettes yeah. and coffee got to put him in we've had two amazing days uh we've got splinters from the wood we've uh some of us been turned to swamp people and no one can leave but why would you want to because we're here for sunday who is on sunday so sunday i'm going to tell you who the lead up is because these guys will be the headliners but i'm mm-hmm. going to tell you who the lead up is during the day during the day you got princess nokia oh okay. yeah. yeah yeah she's she's there so she released two albums this year, if I'm, uh, I might be incorrect, but she, I think she released just... Oh, I don't know. I'm so useless when it comes to albums. I just yeah. find the music and listen to it and go, I really like this song. I love yeah. this band. <laughs> Good. Good luck singing. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Um, I, I know Big Thief released two albums uh, in a year. Um, I'm not sure about Princess Nokia, but that is some research for me to do once this podcast is done. Yes. Well, uh, yeah, I think she released like a dual album uh, or two uh, albums. Like there's like, uh, but yeah, uh, I don't know. Uh, so what kind of music does Princess Nokia do? Um, I suppose from the simplest an- analysis would probably be rap. Yeah. But it's... Uh, but people's perceptions of rap, if they don't know anything about rap, you know, they can be quite narrow-minded. Mm-hmm. She has these really great songs that are also, I think, feminist mantras, like Tomboy mm-hmm. is a great song. She's very sexual, but also, you know, she plays with sort of, I th- I feel like her gender, the way, you know, these ideas of the way women should present themselves. Mm-hmm. And her tracks are banging tracks are absolutely banging like she's a big dog yeah big dog brilliant um, who's after princess nokia so after her we've got karen o some of her solo work her just mm-hmm. trying some shit out i've just invited her have a bloody play small um punk band called habibi which is a female punk band they've got this song called sin which i recommend because it's sexy as hell yeah so they're a bit more guttural and dirty yeah we've got japanese breakfast because they've got some absolutely fun silly punk songs and they're really fun and that is all leading you up because they're all have you noticed female led mm-hmm. female led you know they're sort of handmade handcrafted indie and then we have headlining the slits one of the most important british bands of all time changing the game for women in punk music changing the game for women in music changing the fact that they were made these amazing songs did these really great covers i heard it on the grapevine they took influence and inspiration from so many different genres and also Mm -hmm. they love fashion they loved their style and they played with it and absolutely albertine is a cult cult in her own right 
And uh, I think it was Ari Up who started the band when she was 14 as well. Mm-hmm. Which is, that's cool. And uh, and I don't, I'm not sure how long they, that the band went on for, but I do know that they kind of made it into that late 70s, like punk pantheon, if that mean. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they were part of that scene very much. They really held their own in a time when it was sort of still perceived that only boys could do it. Yeah. And they wrote, like, their, the Viv Albertine's memoir is really interesting. She describes, you know, how you'd record and make an album, I suppose, in comparison to now. Like, what mm-hmm. I love on one of their tracks is you can hear there's a particular sound and you go, what is that sound? And after looking into it, it's actually a matchbox being shaken and turned on its side. Oh, and wow. That's sort of that experimentation to find the noise that you need for an album. I love. I love that playfulness. So what is it about the Slits which really draws you to them in terms of their musicality as well? What's it about their sound? Well, I love the... I don't know if this is the correct way of saying it, but there is this sort of... I think they take a lot of inspiration from reggae. Yes, they do. And I love reggae. There's something about that mixed with the sort of electric guitars... Mm-hmm. Um, the lead singer is a very like almost banshee-esque voice. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, those rhythms that and that sort of conflict, that jarring nature, but the fact it also sort of works. And I think it's hard for me to separate the political from the music in what they stand for now when you listen to them. Mm-hmm. When I can't not listen to them and not take into account that they were sort of game changers for a lot of female artists to come. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, you know, they were all of different types, archetypes of women and presentation and background and history. They all had sort of different political ideologies, it seems. Um, and they all visually stand out on their own right. Mm-hmm. That's really fascinating for me because as an artist, I think, especially as a woman, there's this sort of judgment. That if you like this, well, you can't like this. And if you like this, well, why would you like this? And the fact they loved fashion and they loved dressing up and, you know, also they used their bodies. Like there's their album cover where they're all naked, all mm-hmm. covered in mud. And that's so in your face. Like do not, I can still be sexual and be taken seriously as mm-hmm. an artist. So I think they'd be so great in a swamp. And <laughs> yeah. Everyone by this point has sort of gotten, you know, they've gotten over the breakup on Saturday. They've gotten a bit kinky and they've made out with someone to the Viagra boys. They're getting all a bit loose and funky. And on Sunday they realise, I don't need anyone. I'm just a woman on my own right. Oh, to clarify, there's only women at this festival. Okay, I didn't realise. It's like like that old film, Wild Woman of Wonga. It's an island of women um, or anyone who defines themselves as a woman. This is like a female-led festival of just, okay, Maybe that sounds a bit discriminatory. Boys are led, but what I'm trying to say is Sunday is an absolute fanny fest. It's just, <laughs> it's all about, it's all about the ovaries. It is all about woman. It is about the womb. It is about menstrual blood. It is about, it is about the existence of the female energy and the psyche and like mother nature. Yeah. Wow. And I think in that case, the slits is just so perfect for that because, like, yeah, it's it's um, and that whole day is uh, yeah, it's brilliant. Uh, that's great stuff. I mean, what a festival that you got there, Elf. There's a lot going on, and you know what? No one's come close to doing anything. This is the most unique festival I've come across so far, and you. uh, you've absolutely smashed it. There's but, also uh, um, there's also a book stage where people can just <laughs> read poetry they've written over the weekend <laughs> just to make it a bit more cultural. 
you know what? I can't imagine the poetry coming out of this at the end as well. But uh, yeah. maybe they would do that sad song uh, and uh, sell it for 99p afterwards. But uh, Oh, definitely. Yes. But now, as with every festival, uh, things are going to go wrong. So it's mm-hmm. time for some floor fillers. I'm here to ask my guests some hypothetical questions that they have to deal with in the manner they see fit. And I, to be honest, there's a lot that could go wrong with a festival, but let's, uh, let's change, let's, let's look at some other things. Here's your first question. Oh no, Echo and the Bunnymen have cancelled last minute. Who have you got to replace them? Um, Joy Division. Oh, like I love that. Yes, absolutely. Good stuff. Yep. Okay. Oh no, someone's running late at your festival and you need to fill for some time with a DJ set. But thankfully, there's some brilliant um, celebrities willing to do a DJ set for you. Out of every celebrity in the world, which celebrity would you pick to do a DJ set? Jarvis Cocker, DJ set. Nice. I love it because you, you're like, I haven't sent you these in advance. These are all like just straight off the gun, like bam, Jarvis Cocker, bam, um, Joy Division. People are setting the tree... Um, tree houses on fire how do you put out the fires piss on them with our buckets <laughs> that's what the buckets are for yeah. <laughs> i knew there was a reason for it yes absolutely also it's a swamp it's so damp <laughs> yeah it's gonna be yeah fair enough the viagra boys and otis redding hate each other's guts you don't know why but they do and they say they won't be able to perform if the other one is performing which one do you pick i tell them to sort it out and grow up because otherwise no one's playing at my festival because this is not what happens at Le Teatro de Mall and if they can't resurrect it and sort it out they're both all going to be fed to the wolves and the swamp people I'm not having this grow up you're professionals take it seriously come on <laughs> yeah that's great I can't, I can't be having that uh. <laughs> absolutely not on Otis yeah Put, get yourself together Come also on. i do think the lead singer of viagra boys does have i believe cunt tattooed on his forehead yeah <laughs> so i mean it's, yeah i'm not surprising if he's got a few issues with people <laughs> your festival loves you elf and they want you to sing one song at your festival if you had to pick one song to join in on with any of the artists playing which song would you pick um i would ask oh wait from one of the art from one of the bands the one of the songs that they've played uh, yeah, you can join them and sing it on stage for them. Oh, goodness. Well, I probably I would join in with Serge Gainsbourg and sing the whole Melody Nelson album because I think that would just be funny. Um, or I'd get all of the bands to collectively do a cover of Celine Dion. It's all coming back to me now. <laughs> That's also very good as well. And finally, one of your artists have forgotten their equipment, but thankfully they can play an acoustic set. Out of all the artists from your lineup, which one would you pick to do an acoustic set? Oh, okay. Let me think about that. Include, I mean, Karen O would probably be brilliant at doing an acoustic set. Yeah. Um, I think most of them could probably cope. I mean, because everyone has to learn. Oh, Brian, uh, Brian, you know, David Byrne. David yeah, Byrne. David Byrne. Because easily do an acoustic set, just a guitar. 
and we can make the guitar from the trees. <gasps> yes, that's even cooler. Yeah, so not a problem. Well, thank you so much, Elf. This is such a treat, and it's been um, just wonderful chatting to you as well. Well, we're going to start a band after this, and we'll. Uh, but uh, where can people find you online? Um, they can find me on www.thealflions.com. I've also got a few comedy bits and pieces on the old YouTube. But yes, my website and subscribing to that is probably the best way. And that and following me on Instagram and Twitter and whatnot. Those are those are just all the usual channels. And uh, you can follow us at Castle Podcast on Twitter. And also, uh, why don't you give us five stars on iTunes? But please say a massive thank you to my wonderful guest, Elf Lions. Well, thanks for having me.